So to understand what God is saying to us today, it is really important that we consider why the verses were originally written. And as, you said, as we read in a verse, that verse 1 gives us the context that this is a letter that was sent from Jeremiah in Jerusalem to the people who Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, had carried into exile. That due to their sinning against God, they had been taken away from their homeland and now find themselves in a foreign land. This was not exactly their plan. But as we look further into the passage, we understand that God still had a plan for them, despite what had happened. So having considered the context, to help us understand the passage, we're going to be considering three questions, which are, who does God have plans for? What did the people have to do? And what was God's promise? So firstly, who does God have plans for? As you've already heard this morning, God had a plan for Jeremiah to be a prophet to the nations and to the people of Israel. So God has plans for individuals and his people. That very simply, God has plans for all of his people, and this is regardless of your age or your background, that these do not disqualify you from having a plan from God. In fact, all of us watching online or here in the building, God has a unique plan for your life. However, sometimes I think that we forget and we think that we know the best plan for our lives and we forget to ask God first to see what his plans are for our lives. That Jeremiah found that God had plans for him before he was formed in the womb. That oftentimes our plans can hit a roadblock and I think this can be due to unforeseen events, maybe mistakes that we have made. But the roadblock we may experience this might be God's way of getting our attention to stop us going through our plan alone and turn back to the Lord for the right plans for our lives. And I wonder if some of us here need to stop trying to plan our lives out. Oh, let's, try and, let's turn back to God to see whether our plans align with his plans. That in his abundant love for us, God, he has crafted plans for his best purpose. And the plans God has for us are always found in a relationship with him. So the next key question, what did the people have to do? So from the passage, there are two main things. Firstly, there were practical actions that needed to do, they needed to do. So in verses 5 to 7... We read that the people must build houses and settle down. They must plant gardens and eat the produce. They must start, establish, and build families. And they must seek the peace and the well-being of the city. The Israelites were instructed to settle down and make home. And this would have been hard to hear as they were in exile, they're in a foreign land. And they thought this was going to last for two years. And then Jeremiah says, hey, it's going to last 70 years that this was not their plan again, but despite this, that God had a plan for their lives. I think this is a reminder for us that we may not be in our dream situation, our dream job, our dream house, or schools, or colleges, but this might just be where God wants us for such a time as this, that we can't just sit around waiting for God's plan to come into place. We need to get stuck in where we are that if we always long for where the grass is greener, it robs us of the opportunity to serve 
God where he has placed us right now. That the exiles had to be obedient to the plan that God had given them. And in the same way, we need to be obedient to the plans that God has for us. That in order to to be obedient to God, we must first be open to hearing his voice and following his plan is for us. That means that we need to invite him into all of our plans and all of our dreams. The second thing that the people had to do was to seek God. So Jesus said in Matthew 6, 33, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. That seeking God has to be our priority. That seeking God for his plans in our life, this is what we must do. We must seek him with all of our hearts. And the great promise we find in Jeremiah 29, 13 is that when we seek God with all of our hearts, we will find him. That the only way our plans will align with God's plans is if we are actively seeking him with everything that we got, day in, day out, through the good times and through the difficult moments. So let us be people who are seeking God in every season, Seek God when it's good. Seek God when it's bad. Let's be people that are seeking God. That when we seek God first, that we gain his perspective. And this gives us clarity when making choices and decisions we face. And this could ultimately lead to changes from our original plan. Thirdly, the last question, what is God's promise? That in verse 11, we read some of one of the most famous pieces of scripture. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. That when we read and understand the scripture in the context it was written for, that we understand that these words were spoken to a group of people in the middle of a hardship and suffering, that it was not written when life was brilliant. That in this passage, God doesn't promise an immediate end to their situation. However, what he does promise is that he still has a plan to prosper them in the midst of their current situation, and he gives them hope for the future. That these verses can offer us encouragement, that no matter where you are in life right now, that no matter how challenging things may look at the moment, that we need to believe that God has a great plan for our lives, and he hasn't forgotten about us, and we can find peace in knowing that God will always lead us where you need to be. It might not be where you want to be, but God knows that it's exactly where you need to be. He sees the whole picture, and his plans are to see us prosper. Amen? Amen. Let us pray. Dear Lord, we thank you for this passage. Thank you, God, that, yeah, you have plans for our lives. And thank you, God, that you still have plans when life is difficult. And it's quite hard at times to trust you when life is difficult, but this is a reminder that we need to put our trust in you, that we need to seek you in every season, because when we seek you, we will find you. So please, as we go forward into this week, let us be actively seeking your voice to know where you want to take us this week and going forward. Amen. To start to point from the Old Testament towards Jesus. 
And we know, don't we, that our faith is not about God. It is about Jesus. Because we know God through Jesus. You can talk about the word God and say nothing at all about Christian faith. But everything in our faith points towards and funnels towards Jesus as the center of our lives. So all these prophets, including Jeremiah, who's the guy we said to today, had the message that they said to people. And they wanted to talk to people about God's plan, which was consistent. Remember what we said? Yesterday, today, and tomorrow, you never change. Your plan is consistent. And yet he did that in a place where things were always going wrong. You know that because you are alive. Things go wrong in our lives, through our choices, through the choices of other people around us. And we live in this world which is not the way it should be. And so what prophets do is they tell the truth and they point out the problem without being afraid because they know they're telling the truth and they know they're doing it because they love people. And here's the problem, he says. You've broken faith with God and with each other. You've lived in a way which has forgotten him consistently and forgotten what your actions have an impact on other people. And the consequences of that is that you live in a world that doesn't work and is broken, and you have this sense that deep down that we may not be working the way that we should be working as well. We are broken. Put simply, God is good and we're not. And God can't allow any of this because God is good. So what does God do? Well, the first part of what the prophets say sounds really bad news. He says, you know what, there's a problem, isn't there? You know it, I know it. I'm not going to let it stand because I have a good purpose. It needs to be sorted out. It needs to be put right. It needs to be judged to be holy. And there will be a judgment. And you will be caught up in this. And there's no way of avoiding that. But here's the good news. That's not the end of what God says. Because prophets have two messages. They say you're in trouble and there's a way out of your trouble. There's hope. Because God loves us and will not give up on his creation or us. You know what Jeremiah said to his people? He said, I have plans for you. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans for a future and a hope. Even if that is 70 years in the future, I have a plan for you, which is unchanging. Do you trust me? Do you trust me? And after 70 years, the people went home, and that stage of life was over. But things kept going wrong, and those words that we've read, I have a plan for you, a plan to prosper you and not to harm you, a plan for a future and a hope, met its final fulfillment not in those people who went back to Jerusalem, but at the heart of what we believe, because the hope has a name, and that name is Jesus. When I read this verse, I've decided, when I thought about it last week, from now on, when I read this verse, I'm going to think when it says, for I have plans for you to prosper you and not to harm you for a future and a hope. I'm going I'm to know that where it says plans, I can read Jesus. For I have Jesus for you. Jesus who will prosper you and not harm you. Jesus for a future and a hope. It's so easy, isn't it, in our lives. And this is one of the things that God's been saying to me over the summer. Um, is that it's easy for us to talk about our faith vaguely in terms of God. This isn't a criticism of people here. But if you've listened to the songs that we've sung this morning, I've been watching. None of them said the word Jesus in them. Not one of them. Now, at the centre of our faith is Jesus, isn't it? Isn't that right? Is that right? 
So we need to be very precise in our life together about the call that Jesus has to trust in him and not in God and to follow him and to be like him. And this is where Jesus, Stephen said something in his work where he said very flippantly, of course in church the answer is always Jesus, isn't it? Whatever the question is. And in a sense he is right. The answer is always Jesus. That's why Jermaine said that we are to seek God. And by that we mean seek Jesus in our lives. In 2 Corinthians, Paul wrote this. No matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. In other words, everything that we've read about in the Old Testament finds its fulfillment in Jesus. All our hopes are answered in Jesus. So you know we said what the prophet said about the bad stuff? You're in trouble. You know you are because you can feel it inside yourself and you can see it all the way around in the world. Well, this verse says all of that stuff is answered in Jesus. When you feel you've let somebody else down, when you feel that things aren't going the way, then seek Jesus. Get on your knees, confess to him, and start afresh in the spirit that Jesus gives you. And be transformed as you go. Because all of God's promises are answered in him. First of all, on a cross, where everything that, went, uh, that we've done wrong is met once and finally. There is a judgment. There's still a judgment. But Jesus bears it. You're free. What are you? Free. Yeah, I'm free. I'm right, I'm free. All right. There's a song that we talked about a few years ago when John Good was here by um, a man called... Oh, I've forgotten his name. Who sang the song Human? Rag and Bone Man. You know it? Recognize it? Very good. He sang, I'm only human after all. Don't put the blame on me. You know what Jesus said? I will be human. Put the blame on me. Put the blame on me. That's at the heart of our faith. But it's not all. Because the prophet's message is answered by two things, not just one. It doesn't just escape from judgment, but it calls us into a whole good life with Jesus at the centre. Some of these young people over here went on a weekend away, uh, a week or a few days away, called Satellites. Why was it called Satellites? Because the whole thought is that our life should be built on a new centre of gravity with Jesus at the middle. And that our lives should be an orbit around him. What does your life orbit around? Is it me? Often my life revolves around me. Can I tell you that? Because I'm a bit selfish. But what God calls us to is a life that orbits around Jesus and gives us a different perspective as a result of it. And so that verse that I've just said that says, all things are find a yes in Jesus ends with this. And so, and so through him, the amen is spoken to, to, by us to the glory of God. And so, through him, the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. I love this. this I've just noticed it's a new thing. It's my new book. I haven't finished my first book yet, but it's my second book. Maybe my third or fourth. It's about verses in the Bible which have two halves and are connected by the phrase something like so that or and so. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for, for teaching, rebuking, and training in righteousness so that you may be trained for, to live a good life is basically what it says. This one says, all God's promises are yes in Christ and so through him the amen is spoken by, who by? 
Your life is an amen to Jesus. Do you know what amen means? Yes! What does it mean? That's not loud enough. What does it mean? Jesus, yes! Everything is answered in Jesus, and therefore my life is going to say yes, 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 yes. What does that mean? It all sounds a bit religious, what I've said so far. Doesn't it? I'm not a very religious man, really. I sing too much for that. Um, but what I believe is this. I believe I've been forgiven. Do you believe you've been forgiven? Do you believe you need to be forgiven? That's an interesting question, the second one. If you've been forgiven and you've been set free, then Jesus says two words to you, follow me, follow me. And what do you say to follow me? Yes. What do you say to follow me? Yes. What are you going to say for the next term while we're here together between now and Christmas as we meet together when Jesus says, do you want to follow me? Yes. Mm, maybe, I don't know if I feel like it from time to time. I may become, I may not, I may not be involved. Yes. Following Jesus doesn't mean coming to church, although it helps. It means being a part of a family. It does mean going out of the way for each other. It means praying for each other. It means reading his word. It means encouraging. It means talking. It means working for justice where you see. It means honoring God and the choices we make. It means looking forward to being with God forever. It means laughing and crying and celebrating and walking and resolving and everything else. And we do it by saying yes to Jesus. I don't think, for I know the plans I have for you, plans to harm you, not to harm you, plans not to harm you, you know, all that stuff, that verse, you know the one I mean. I don't think it's a fortune cookie, do you? I don't think, oh, I've got this one. God's got a good plan for me, I'm all right. What it is, is that God says, I have a plan for you. And his name is Jesus. And you have the opportunity to say yes to him with each other as we look forward. And that is what we've been talking about all summer. The character of God who has a promise, who has a provision, who protects us, who leads us, who reassures us, who provides for us, who comforts us. All of this is found finally in one person whose name is Jesus. And I want to invite you, this term, whether you've said it or not, already or not, to say yes to him and make priorities around that. What do you think? Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that all your promises have been answered in Jesus. Many of us here have lived by that for many years. But we draw back to it now, if we've been drifting off from it. We see that Jesus is the living water whom we go to to find life. Jesus is the great shepherd who nurtures us and cares for us. Jesus is the resurrection and the life. Jesus is our hope and our future. Jesus is our song, is everything we believe. Jesus is our hope. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And together we say, yes, amen. Help 